Welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I had a busy cleaning morning. I've been organizing myself. Oh, man. We need to do during this time. So um, I'm going to go ahead and start the show. So tell me, Carly. Uh, well, wait, let me say the actual, I've changed the way I started now. So welcome to God and Matter. My name is Arlene J.M. Brand. I'm your host. And today I have Carly Myers, who is interested in helping people with stress management. She is a national uh, speaker, and that's who I think you are, Carly. But who are you? Mm. So I am the founder of the Stress Less Company. And what we do is we help people who are overworked, overwhelmed, on the verge of burnout, somewhere in between, <laughs> relieve stress so that we can find more joy. And not only that, we can find more time for the things that are most important to us. So when you say you have this stressless company and your goal is to help people to find less stress and more joy, what does that really mean? I mean, what does that look like? Mm. So it looks like many things uh, because there's so many different people out there with so many different uh, ways of learning. So um, we do uh, professional speaking and, and workshops and things like that. We also work with people one-on-one and in group programs and online if you're more of a DIYer. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that that manifests. We have a podcast, all, all, of, the, all of the ways it manifests pretty much. Um, but uh, yeah, we're at the end of the day, we're about educating about stress and stress management and how to take action in terms of what uniquely works for us, each and every one of us, to start to feel better, to start to feel more calm, content, silly, goofy, whatever it is. That's essential, uh, especially yeah. now. I mean, I think life involves play in order to be less stressful. You have a lot of different outlets. So how can people connect to you through these different outlets that you have available? Mm, so I would say the easiest way to connect would be, uh, just to get started, would be through our website, stresslessco.com. We have a, a free resource that will pop right up that you can you know, take that first step to manage your stress. Um, and then also on social media, right, at stresslessco or at the Stress Less Co. Can't forget the the. Okay. That is important, especially if they want to find you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. So tell me a bit more about these programs. And you also mentioned that you have a podcast. So what would I experience if I go to your The Stress Less podcast? What, the, what does that do? Yeah, so it, it's called The Stress Less Show, and it can be found anywhere you fi find your podcast. It's on YouTube, all the social uh, media channels as well. And what you're going to find is you're going to find some of the best experts to talking about some of the main things that cause stress. So uh, we have, you know, we talk about, you know, our physical health. We talk about relationships. We talk about money. We talk about job pressure. We talk about spirituality. That's probably one of the scariest ones. Um, you know, we talk about all of these different stressors that create a more almost unnecessary stress in our lives. And how do we address those? How do we how do we reconcile with an unhealthy relationship? How do we get more money? How do we make sure that those chronic stressors aren't going to be the thing that is, you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back? And so when you go to the Stress Less show, you're going to find all of the different experts in all of these different areas to help you figure out what you need to do next. 
You know, it's, it's interesting. I've been taking a look at the news. I don't watch it. I read it. And then sometimes I take a look at highlights. And stress is a very big issue for everyone, but especially now. So what would you say to someone who's like, okay, I can't go back to work yet. I have my own business. I'm stressed. I need to eat. I need to do what I have to do. I don't qualify for a stimulus package and, you know, all these different things that come to people's mind. What would you tell them? How would you de-stress them? Yeah. So I think it's important to just start from the perspective of like, I've been through the ringer. Like I've gone through some serious crap in my life. Um, and so this advice isn't coming from someone who's lived a like la di da happy you know happy go lucky life. I've I've also gone through some you know tough experiences. My my mom was uh, shot. She's still alive, but she was shot when I was younger by a crazier ex boyfriend. And so uh, I had yeah, and I had you know I had to deal with the consequences of all of that. And um, you know for those of us who are struggling, whether it's you know with finances, whether it's with the loss of a loved one, or um, you know, or it's just compiling, right? Like it's, you know, this thing, it's so much change that's happening right now. The first thing that I would say is, um, the first perspective that I'd like to take on is that when we're in fight or flight mode, fight, flight, or freeze mode, oftentimes we make poor decisions. We make some crappy decisions. And um, a prime example of this is, I just heard a, a great example of this the other day, a client of mine, she just started, she was sharing me, sharing with me about how her and her partner were sitting and they were watching a movie and her partner pulls out his phone and he starts texting and she gets triggered. She's like, he's cheating on me, that MF for like, I am done, you know, like she was going in that direction in her head and her impulse, her impulse in that fight or flight mode was to say, screw him, I'm leaving. Oh, wow. And because she's had lots of past experience with being cheated on, right? So that's just where she went. That's her trauma. And um, when she implemented the technique that I, I'm about to share, what happened was she was able to get space. She was able to get out of fight or flight mode. And then a few hours later, find out that he was just texting his daughter. <laughs> it, it wasn't even a big deal, right? But that's what can happen when we get into fight or flight mode, right? We go, we kind of jump, we can, we can jump off the deep end. So the first thing that I would recommend is to say, is to ask ourselves, how can we get out of fight or flight mode? So one of the things that we teach at the stress loss company is this thing called cre creative stress reduction. So creative stress reduction is any activity that gets us out of fight, flight, or freeze mode and into a state of play or flow. So this can be anything. It can be uh, playing with your dog. It can be gardening. It can be rearranging your furniture for the umpteenth time, right? It can be formatting an Excel spreadsheet if that's the, you know, that's what you're into. It can be creative arts. It can be anything. Um, as long as it gets you out of fight or flight and into a state of play or flow. And so that would be the first recommendation. Now, there's a few things that you can do to figure out what activities you need to do, right? So the first thing I would say is create a list of at least 50 to 100 items that you love doing. And then you're going to, and this is no editing here. So this can include the wine. It can include the hanky panky. It can, it can include a bunch of stuff. No editing. 
Um, but once you have that extensive list, what you're going to do is you're going to ask yourself a few questions about four. So the first question is, does this item have the potential to put myself or someone else in harm's way? Especially right now, does this have the potential to get me or someone else sick? If it does, right, we're going to cross that item off our list. It's not going to be something that serves us. The second question that you're going to ask is, does this item have the potential to trigger me? Does this item have the potential to trigger me? So based on my past experience, based on my trauma, based on whatever I've gone through in life, does this item have the potential to get me into a triggered state and maybe make things worse? So a great example of this um, is, so as a result of that shooting that I shared earlier, I had uh, PTSD. And so I had night nightmares. And some of the nightmares that I would have would be drowning nightmares. So I'd be, you know, feeling underwater, not able to breathe. And I kept getting recommended, right? Hey, Carly, go to, go to yoga. Try this yoga class. It's all about the breath and all of this. And every time I'd end up in a yoga class that had box breathing, right? You inhale for a certain count, you hold for a certain count, exhale for a certain count, hold for a certain count. As soon as we got to the top of that breath and we held it, and after a few seconds, it was like one, two, it was like trigger. I was out. I was drowning somewhere, right? That's where my brain took me. And so any class like that, any class that involves holding the breath, not necessarily coming back to the breath, but holding the breath is just something that um, is not going to be a creative stress reduction activity for me because it makes me feel like I'm drowning. Um, so that's a great example. The third question that you're going to ask yourself is, does this item fit into my resources? So a lot of us like to put like fancy vacations or, you know, something like a trip to Hawaii on their list. Um, but the reality is, is we go back to our bank accounts and it's a whole nother story, right? And so not to say we can't go to Hawaii, we can always save up our money, do that, but it's not going to be our creative stress reduction because what we want is we want something that we have access to now in the moment. Um, so if it does not fit into your resources, your social, your time, your financial resources, you're going to cross it off that list as well. And then lastly, the last question that you're going to ask yourself is, if I did this item every single time I was stressed out, would it be healthy? So if I drank wine every time I was stressed out, would it be healthy? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Most likely not. Yeah. <laughs> So I've seen yeah. that there's a lot of wine that's being traded these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that and um, that and the baking, the baking items. I was just at the grocery store yesterday, and I was trying to find flour because I make my own bread, and I was like, "Where, <laughs> where is it all? It's gone." Um, so that would be, you know, another item that we might take off the list if there's, you know, a food item that we really love eating. That might be something that we would cross off the list as well. But basically, I suggest you get some bisquick or uh, pancake batter mix. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that recommendation. <laughs> I know I, I decided that I'm not going to go shopping in the evening anymore. I'm going to beat everybody by going in the like midday morning kind of thing. But um, <laughs> yeah. And so like once we ask those questions, what we have is we have a list of healthy, accessible, creative stress reduction activities that we can implement to get out of fight or flight mode. And so that would be the first thing. And then the second thing that I would say, just to kind of circle back to that 
that hypothetical, that question about what we could do is once we're out of fight or flight mode, we're able to start thinking clearer. We're able to really look at our scenario, you know, objectively. And I think that's really important and say, okay, what do I need to do to address all of the craziness that's going on? Because I think before this, before the pandemic, before all of the crazy changes, a lot of us, if we think about Maslow, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's basically at the bottom, you know, physical, uh, physical needs, uh, safety needs, belonging, you know, self-esteem, and then I think it's self-actualization. Most of us were up at like relationships, self-actualization, we're just trying to be our best self. But this pandemic has, for many of us, brought us back to the, to the basics, right? I couldn't find flour yesterday for bread. Like, I'm right at the bottom. Like, I need food. <laughs> I like, need to be able to find food. And so I think once we're out of fight or flight mode, we can acknowledge, okay, I may not be the place where I'm, like, perfecting my, you know, the, who I am. But in fact, I'm, I'm back here and I'm saying, okay, how can I, how can I pay my bills? How can I get the food that I need for my family? How can I just focus on getting enough water? Like what is the, how can I like go back to the basics here, simplify and then build the foundation back up? Very good points. And that Maslow hierarchy is essential and people are struggling for that state of self-actualization and people who thought they were self-actualized are also having an awakening to see that maybe those pieces need some adjustment so yeah even though there's trauma associated with you know this discovery there's also opportunity associated mm -hmm. with the discovery uh, and the the pandemic that's presented so you said something that was pretty much a bombshell uh, about your mom and what you mm. observed. How old were you? I was 12. So was 12. I'm so sorry. How did you manage that? I'm so glad your mom survived, but, but how did you manage that and navigate that at 12? Oh my goodness, I didn't. I didn't manage it or navigate it. I mean, I, I would say I've navigated it in, in that I made it through, right? But the, you know, that incident happened and for the first five years, I didn't tell anyone about what was going on with me just internally. Um, you know, I, as you know, this, the context of this is, is interesting because, you know, my mom was shot point blank in the back of the head like and in her l5 and her spine and through her arm she was not supposed to survive she was in medically induced coma and so you know a 12 year old girl you know going to visit her mom asleep in the hospital that's that can be really traumatizing in and of itself and then um, i had an older sister who was not over my parents separation um, let alone you know, my dad's always been supportive. He actually warned my mom about this boyfriend and every and everything to keep her safe. But um, you know, my sister was was not over the the separation of my parents, let alone the shooting. And so she had her own stuff going on. And my dad was taking care of two girls on his own for <laughs> for very on his very own for the first time, you know, outside of his you know evenings and weekends kind of thing. And um, that was a huge change. And there was a lot going on in, in our lives. Like we, I, 
everyone in my family, we still had to get up, go to school or go to work, come home, do the, you know, homework, do the extracurriculars, go to the hospital. Like life did not stop. And that, you know, having, I think in some ways I was probably a mature, fairly mature 12 year old knowing that like life, life keeps going. This is a, this is a lot of information. The adults in your life are struggling as well. And so for a long time, you know, for better or for worse, I didn't tell anybody what was going on, including my family, my extended family, my uh, spiritual family. And uh, that was rough. And then I would say, you know, that was about five years. And so around high school age, I finally had a night terror that basically was like, that's it. I can't, I can't keep this to myself anymore. And I remember I picked up the phone and I called my high school boyfriend at the time. And I told him, I said, I need you here and I need you here now. And uh, the knight in shining armor that he was, he hopped in his car, he drove over um, and, you know, he, he came in the house, he found me in the stairwell and I was crying. And I remember telling him, I'm like 16, 17 years old, like, if this is what sleep is, I never want to sleep again. I'm, I'm done. And um, so that, that is, you know, the beginning of my journey of, of real, it wasn't rainbows and butterflies, but as a result of, of him holding space for me and, and not judging me, not calling me crazy, there's a lot of, of stigma that can be around PTSD and mental health and all of that. Um, you know, he held space for me. And so I slowly started opening up with, with the people in my life. And, um, I would say things like, hey, I'm stressed, or hey, I'm overwhelmed, or hey, I'm kind of struggling right now. And I would ask people for advice. And what I found was that I would get approximately the same five or so answers, right? That, hey, Carly, have you tried therapy? Have you tried yoga? Have you tried meditation? Have you tried changing your diet, getting more sleep? Like all of those things. And the reality was, is that I was so desperate for change. I was done with that version of my life that I had tried all of it. I had tried all of it and some of it didn't work. Let's just be real. And some of it worked a little bit, but nothing ever got me over that hump of, you know, finding that sense of joy or peace or silliness or goofiness that those emotions back then that I thought I rolled my eyes at because I thought they, I thought they weren't real. And you know, it took me ten, a little more than 10 years to figure out what worked for me. And that's just the, the reality, 10 years of, you know, struggle before I found out what worked for me. And for me, that was, that was art, that was drawing, that was creativity. And that was for me specifically at the time. Uh, and as I morphed and grew and changed, it changed for, for me. And I realized that that creative stress reduction that I shared earlier, that was the difference between struggling for another 10 years and getting out of that space and taking action to get the help that I needed to work through the stuff that I needed so that I could be the person I wanted to be. Well, I applaud you in being the person that you want to be and moving past that trauma that is major. I am so sorry that you went through that. How is your mom doing? She is a, she is Wonder Woman. <laughs> I will laugh at this question because, you know, she, 
she's made a full recovery, right? She learned how to walk again, how to talk again, how to eat and swallow again. The swallow test was like the biggest day because she could leave the hospital. Um, and she, you wouldn't even know it. Like you wouldn't even know that she had been in a shooting. You wouldn't know it. She, all she has is a pair of reading glasses and a slight limp. And that is all. Um, but yeah, she's doing well. And what's even crazier about her is that she actually also survived breast cancer. So a few years ago, she was diagnosed and she went through all of the, you know, radiation and chemo and all of it. And she is still here. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Thank God that your mom is Wonder Woman. Um, please give Wonder Woman a hug and applause from me. Um, Will do. Amazing. But you are Wonder Woman's daughter, so there's a bit of wonder about you too. Your superpower of resiliency is um, probably contagious in your you and your mom. So you you mentioned something about your sister not being happy about the separation at the time. How did that impact you? Did you use that experience in developing the stressless cow? Mm. You know, it's interesting. My my sister, my sister is five years older than me, and so she has always had this um, older sibling, you know, thing going. She's had the the especially after the shooting, the the almost like a parental. Um, it's a it's a weird thing to have with a sibling, someone who oversees you, but is also your equal. And so, you know, my sister and I have found our own, have definitely found our own ways uh, to cope. But she, she has always been a huge supporter in what I, in what I do and what, what I teach. Because the reality is, is that her, the way this all showed up for her, and I, I, I don't want to share too much because it's her, you know, her story to share, but, um, you know, she had to find other ways to cope with, you know, fear. Fear was a huge one for her. And I think that's something that I take into consideration. Um, you know, I experience fear, but it manifests in our lives in very different ways. And I think knowing that, knowing that it showed up in my mom's life in one way, my sister's life in another way, my life, my dad's life, and, and all of the people affected by this in such different ways that I kind of have a, I very much have a perspective on the the variety of ways that stress can manifest itself you know in addition to all the what all the things the textbooks say right like this is real life this is how it shows up and to keep an eye out for that when you know with the people that i'm working for that it may show up in in timidness and fear it may show up in anger it may show up in withdrawal it, it really depends on the person and i think that's the perspective that she gave me is that it does it doesn't show up it's not the same thing every time as well yeah i uh, had my own uh, set of traumas that have existed and one that i can relate to with the issue of night terror um, i was attacked by this random bus driver after helping my uncle in new york and i had never been like um in like a situation where a stranger would like hit me and like throw me down bus steps and all this other kind of stuff. I was like, wait a minute, what is this? And 
I had like this acceleration of my heart and this thing where I couldn't control my heartbeat. And I was like, what is this? You know, I started trying to breathe and, and do those exercises. And I went to like urgent care for my insurer, which was like one of those managed care companies. And I said, you know, I, I don't know what's going on with my heart. It's just racing and racing and racing. And they're like, oh, you're having like a panic attack. And I was like, a panic attack. And I thought about, you know, I'd heard people talk about panic attacks, but you don't know what a panic attack is until you experience it. Mm -hmm. And it yep. is terrifying. So, you know, I experienced it, you know, much older than being, you know, 16, 17 years old. And it was horrible. And the way that I got over it, first they gave me a pill. You know, they always have a magic pill. And I said, this will help you. You won't dream about being attacked. You won't have these, you know, problems with your breathing. You'll, you'll be fine. The pill made me worse. And I was like, okay, I can't take this pill. I can't do, what am I going to do? And I just, just remember laying there and my heart was just like, da, 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 da. and I thought, is my heart going to explode? Because I can't control I can't get my brain to say calm down mm -hmm. and my spirit kicked in and my spirit was like think on what you love and I had cats at the time and my one cat I grabbed him and I was like I love you <laughs> and I, I love it call out loud the names of people that I loved. And as I focused on love, my heart started to regulate itself and calm me. And I recovered from that panic attack in that moment. And anytime fear would want to grip me, I thought about love. Mm. And that is, yeah. It's so funny that that story, and we talked, you know, pre, before, before this, we even talked about the power of storytelling. And I remember, yeah, first of all, panic attacks, like only, you only, you, there's no description. You just know once you, <laughs> once you have, have one, but, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but I remember having one in an urgent care once I did the same thing. I, w I went to the I went to the urgent care. I was like, something's wrong. I can't breathe. Like, something's going on. And um, it escalated because they gave me that magic pill, right? It wasn't a pill, but it was a magic solution to try to solve it, solve whatever's going on with the breathing. And it didn't work. It made it worse. Same thing. And I remember uh, I was like, I'm losing feeling in my feet. I'm losing feeling in my hands. This is probably the one of the worst ones I've had in my life. And I was scared. I was so scared. And I, I remember going back. Uh, I, I remember stumbling out of the room and just saying help to one of the nurses, one of the, the folks out there. And they said, tell me a story. They said, tell me a story. And so like, tell me the story of your life. Tell me about you. And I slowly started you know, between the, the gasps and between the tears and between all of it, I started to tell them 
you know, this is, this is, this is my mom and this is her. And, you know, she loves, my mom loves to like do chargers and plates and fancy stuff for dinners. Like she's one of those people. And I was telling her about, you know, my, my mom and our regular life. And I was telling her about my, you know, I was my job and, and just telling her the story of my life. And slowly but surely I started to feel better. And I think, That's awesome. and then, yeah. So I think the power of storytelling, which is, I think almost all that you do is, is, I mean, that in and of itself is just like so potent. It is potent to give people context. Carly and I belong to an organization called Fem City. Uh, and Violetta Niala is one of the uh, people that I've also interviewed for this podcast and episode that's not yet aired. But um, in that connection, Carly reached out to say, oh, you know, let's get acquainted, which is really good. And I appreciate it. And we had, as she qualified it, and I agree, a delicious conversation. And yes. in the context, in the context of that conversation, we were talking about the power of storytelling. And I explained that I paint and I write and I created music and stories for children. And I'm a lawyer. Then those things all come through the fabric of storytelling. And so that's what she's referring to in a prior conversation. And uh, it's amazing to me to find out that storytelling is what helps you. And I assume that the creating art is also a form of storytelling for you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Sometimes there are stories that we need to tell and we can do it with words or through dance, uh, through music, or through painting um, or sketching whatever it is to, to express that and and to release yourself to move forward so that is definitely a way that i can attest to and we may not have designations as therapists or psychologists or, or mds but we're speaking from our experiences and our experiences that worked for us to move forward from trauma or from stressful events. So thank you for sharing that, Carly. Um, with regard to storytelling, how do you work with people in helping them to tell their stories to move forward? Hmm. So, you know, it's funny. We all have this, we all have a past. And I think one of the first things that you know, comes and working with me is sharing your story, sharing it with someone you trust, right? So for me and my clients, they come to me and they, they say, you know, either they feel like they've tried everything or they just need support. And that first instance of here's my life, here's my story, here's what I've gone through is just incredibly cathartic. But then we go into, okay, well, what do I want? What do I want my story to be? We can't go back and rewrite the beginning, but we can certainly change the end because we're not there yet. And so, yes, that is really the work that we're doing. We're really looking at, um, you know, we're looking at what do we want the ending of our story to be and how can we make that possible? So what are some of the ways that people can tell their stories? What would you say if someone said to you, I don't know, 
how to tell my story and not fall apart and to stay intact because I've had it buried in here so long. You know, I would say that at that person may need a nonverbal processing, right? Like nonverbal way of processing. For me, it was always, it was always nonverbal. Although I like to talk when it came to my stuff, my, my, my trauma, my experiences, I was not interested or not. I didn't feel strong enough would probably be the better way to describe that, to share it verbally. And so for me, it was drawing out the narrative, drawing out the story. This is what happened when I, heard, I woke up that night. This is what happened. This is the decision that I made. And I would sketch that out. And I did that, you know, I did it some realism, right? We get into the art terminology, but then there were days where I had really strong emotions and that was part of my story. And I would sit down in front of a piece of paper and I would just, if I was angry, I would slam that pencil down and I would move it all around, right? Like I would let the emotions not get caught up in the linguistic part of our brains and just let, let whatever it is flow out through, through my hand. And I would say, try to figure out if you're not in a place where it's verbally comfortable for you, see what we can do, see what we can do to find a way that is, you, you can let, have those, those thoughts like, or emotions move from in our heads out of our body. Whether it's, again, like you were sharing, whether it's through music or dance or, or drawing or gardening or you know, what, whatever it is, see if there's a way that you can get those emotions to flow through you. Because I think a lot of times they get trapped. They do get trapped, um, unfortunately. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't even know that their emotions are trapped. And they might be exhibiting behaviors and patterns that make them have even self-loathing or contempt or feel confused. They might self-medicate, whatever, in order to try to deal with what's trapped. Um, so one of the things like I can say like when I was a child um, someone attempted to kill me um, and rape me when I was about seven years old and I ended up um, shutting down and my parents didn't like think about therapy as an option they just were like did he touch you here? You know, there were these kinds of things, you know, there was the interface with the police and the court system, all of that, but it was before people really thought about therapy or options like that. And I remember I had like this shutting down that I would be tense if people would come near me or touch me, you know, cause I was like, oh, is someone gonna try to do something to me? And there was this threat that, you know, he had promised that he would come back to get me. But it wasn't until law school when I had to write a personal statement that I took time to write down the experience. And I shared it with a coach of mine uh, for the LSAT, which is the law school admission test. And when he saw it, he was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry this happened to you. And all of a sudden, the seven-year-old that never cried about what happened to her began to weep in her 20s and say, you know, that was really bad. You know, but it, there wasn't that room for processing. 
And there was this release of all this pain that had been buried within, you know? And so it was through writing my story many, many years later. So I, I definitely can see that um, and, and identify with that. So for those listening, I would say that, you know, Carly said it took her five years before she was ready to start telling her story. So it takes time. And for me, it took maybe about 18 years before I started to, maybe not quite 18, maybe 16 years before I was ready to start telling that story. But it, it takes time. So be patient with yourself and with intervention, there's opportunity. So that's something to be mindful of. Carly, you talked a lot about what you do. What inspires you to be? What inspired you to decide, I'm going to create this, the Stress Less Co? So it's so funny. So I took those as two, two different questions. What inspires me to be and what inspired, inspired me to create the Stress Less Company? So what inspired me to create the Stress Less Company is the fact that it took me 10 years to figure out, to get out of that, that place, that dark place and into a place of contentment and, and peace and all of that, you know, all of those beautiful states of mind. And I think that although we need to be patient with ourselves, I think 10 years is uh, of getting the wrong advice is unacceptable. I think getting the wrong advice for that long and struggling that long uh, especially when you're reaching out and asking for help is is rough. And so the reason I created why I was inspired to create the stressless company is to try to get that number down, right? Get us down from 16 years, 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, whatever the number is, to get us to the place where we all really want. I don't think anybody wants to be miserable. And so that was my that was the real reason I created the stressless company is to say, if you feel like you've tried everything, you haven't, and let's explore that together. That's beautiful. And what inspires you to be personally? Yeah. So I really loved that question because it made me think. And, you know, I think that there's so many answers to this question. There's so many answers. Um, but I think like my mind took me immediately to, you know, this this journey of understanding what internal peace looks like in each moment. Like, what can I, like, explore that deliciousness that we were talking about, you know, that, that feeling, that, that delicious feeling. Um, and then I would say, you know, there's, there's the simpler things in my life, right? Like, I think about my dog, and I think about you know, the plants that I, I have, and I'm nurturing, and I love, I love, you know, picking the beans that I'm growing and like all of that, that inspires me. Nature, like nature, mother earth, that is, is huge. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So with your inspirations, 
are there any uh, things that you've encountered that you would want to share with someone, like a favorite poem or something that inspires you that you think could inspire another? Yeah, so I don't know where I got it. I don't know if I made it up, but I, I every day say a mantra to myself um, that's been really helpful. And it's this, I choose calm. You know, that mantra has gotten me through a lot. And choosing calm, it reminds me that I'm choosing to, to indulge in those negative thoughts or I'm choosing to indulge in the things that are going to serve me, the things that are going to make me happy. And so that mantra has really served me in saying, I'm choosing happiness. I'm choosing me. I'm choosing love. I'm choosing whatever it is. It's my choice. That's beautiful. I choose calm. That's very powerful. And I think choosing love produces that calm. And choosing calm is evidence of self-love. And that's a beautiful thing. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share? I don't, I don't think so. I think we covered a lot of the bases. Um, but, you know, actually, I would say that, you know, for those of you who are listening, if you feel like you've tried everything, if you feel stuck, if you feel like you can't, like you're just exhausted, know that there is hope and that there is more. And that more isn't going to exhaust you. That more isn't a burden. That more is possibility. And it's here for you. That's beautiful. This has been a delicious conversation. It's been a deep conversation and a meaningful conversation. And I thank you for being vulnerable. I thank you for sharing your truth and inspiring others to connect with their truth so that they too can become their higher forms of self. So Carly Myers, people can find you through the stresslessco.com or the stresslessco. And you are available to people one-on-one. -on -one, and then you also do speaking engagements. I do. Yep. Okay, and then they can find you through your podcast. Mm -hmm. Is there any other way that people can connect with you during this time? I mean, you're not necessarily going to be out on a stage, uh, but are there any other ways? So I would say the top two ways that, that you could find me is, one, um, going to my website and signing up for that free gift so that once you get that free gift of how to, it's called how to manage stress like a pro, you're going to get access to all of the other tools on a weekly basis to manage your stress. So that's one way to get in touch with me. And then you'll see all of the virtual events that I'm doing that you can attend and, and explore. Um, and then the other way is, you know, to have a direct conversation with me and you can do that. You can apply for a direct conversation one-on-one. -on -one. Um, by going to stresslessco.com slash apply. Okay. So they can contact you and apply for the one-on-one. -on -one. And then you have how to manage stress like a pro as yep. a free gift on your website, the stresslessco.com. Yep. 
Carly, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so very much. I wish you so much um, blessing. And um, I know you mentioned the spiritual and I hope that all things work together for your good. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Carly Myers and I engaged in some conversation I wasn't even prepared for. We have a natural flow she calls delicious conversation. I love that term. I also enjoyed talking to Carly, not only because she was vulnerable, but she allowed me to also be vulnerable to talk about something very, very few people knew until now this episode. You know, a 12-year-old child witnessing the shattering of everything that made her feel safe is now able to tell adults to choose calm. I choose calm. That's powerful. It's incredibly powerful. And so is Carly Myers. I encourage you to go to thestresslessco.com and have a look and see what Carly can do for you. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, our guest is Elijah LX Harvey. Elijah he also has a show which is super funny called Okay So and it's on YouTube. But Elijah has taken his dreams and made them a reality. Thank you for listening to God and Matter. I hope that you'll tune in to us on YouTube on our Arlie Speaks Media LLC channel. Also, we're distributed through Castbox. Thank you.